Welcome back to Just Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Colby Olson, joined here by Mr. Claiborne Snowden, a.k.a. Mr. Got a New Puppy named Bailey. Maybe you want to explain why you named your puppy Bailey. We'll start the show with that. But today, before we break into that, we're going to be breaking down the top 10 or top 10 outfielders. And then we're going to be breaking into 11 through 20 in the next episode. And then we're going to break into sleepers for outfield. So big outfield week. It's going to be a three episode week. Clay, though, I need to hear you give your explanation for why you named your dog Bailey. It's not after Homer Bailey, although I am a Reds fan. It's not after Bailey. It's not? Bailey faltered. None of the Baileys that you're thinking of in the MLB or previous MLB Baileys. Um, I have no idea how the name came about. I think my sister-in-law suggested it, and we just needed one. It's hard to come up with a girl dog's name compared to a boy dog's name, so we just went with Bailey. Dude, I here, here I am. Maybe I'm an asshole for this. I really thought it was after Homer Bailey. I just assumed that since you're a huge Reds yeah. fan. And- I um I don't think Bailey or Homer Bailey is worthy of being named, you know, pets named after him. But I think that's a deep cut. Like I named my dog Pesky after Johnny Pesky. And I know Johnny Pesky is an iconic Red Sox legend, right? But, you know, Homer Bailey threw a no hitter. Kind of cool. Jeter Downs is a good dog name. If, <laughs> you know, if, if you're looking for a new one. All right, well, we're, we're going to start the show today with a little bit more nonsense, and then we'll break into these top 10 outfielders. Arum, Arum Layton, founder of Just Baseball, brought up another deep cut to me and you before recording. Jabari Blash. Jabari Blash is a name that I haven't heard in years, and this guy was maybe one of the best minor league hitters I've ever seen. I mean, just ridiculous. The last time he played in affiliate baseball, was in 2018. He was a 28-year-old in AAA. He hit 317 with 29 home runs in yeah. 83 games. That's a 188 WRC+. Plus. And to imagine that he only had 324 major league plate appearances after being really one of the best minor league hitters ever. I mean, it's crazy. It just shows that, you know, some guys can't make the jump, and now he's playing in Korea, but that's my little tidbit to start the show. We can break right into it, though, Clay. I mean... Outfield is is we're just gonna be breaking down the first round pretty much yeah through these top ten it, it's ridiculously loaded and I was texting you about this list like the first several names on this list I was like I I can't really make anything any case to say this guy's that much worse than the other guy like the first few names it's like you can put them in any order really and I wouldn't completely say it's crazy. You know what I mean? Like they're they're pretty close. A lot of fantastic players, and I want all of them on my team. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't even think rankings really is the best way to go about this. I think the question that I'll pose to you, and I, and I'll answer it myself, is who are you taking first out of these? Right? You have Ronald Acuna Jr., Julio Rodriguez, as well as Aaron Judge. Are all three names being they're being taken potentially first overall? Like. Who are you out of the, those three taking first? Because I I think my answer is Acuna. But I also wanted to ask, like, tell me why Aaron Judge shouldn't go first overall. I mean, yeah, the guy I'm taking just... Aaron Judge first overall in, in that. Yeah. Go for it. Give me your case for yeah. Aaron Judge first overall. 
Judge, I mean, we all know about the home runs last year. A 207 WRC plus is goofy. That is beyond any type of video game numbers. But he also had 16 stolen bases, which a lot of people didn't really think much about. And it kind of went under the radar because of the 62 home runs. He's going to hit for a decent enough average, right? To a decent plus enough average. average. He had 311. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Crazy. And um, he's going to have a few stolen bases. He's going to obviously have RBI and run production. Like he, to me, he's just a great fantasy player. Strikes out some, you know, and depending on your league, that could hurt. But um, for the leagues that we mostly talk about, I'm taking him for sure. I mean, you you brought up all the, like, there's not much to say about why you shouldn't take Aaron Judge first overall. I think it might be Acuna for me, but it's ridiculous. Like, I, I don't think I could have a straight face and tell someone they shouldn't draft Aaron Judge first overall. Yeah, 311 batting average last year. He stole 16 bags, which you brought up and was kind of surprising because the most he's stolen in a season ever was nine in his rookie season back in 2017. Um, in years past, I mean, in 2021, he only stole six bags. Judge is a six seven human being though, and like he can he can swipe bags. He only has to take like four or five steps, and he's at second yeah. base now. The bases are getting shorter. The shift is gone. I mean, like, it. it's – how do you back up a season like Aaron Judge just had? But I also cannot tell you that he's not going to do it again. I mean, he had a 60.9% hard hit rate. Do you know how ridiculously hard it is to have a hard hit rate above 60% with a barrel rate of 26%? Nobody else is doing what Aaron Judge is doing at the plate right now. So, yeah, I mean, like – Really, you might be selling me on taking Aaron Judge first overall right now. I was looking at his kind of advanced metrics, and I was double-checking because I truly thought that I was reading it incorrectly. I'm like, am I reading some small sample size from like a rehab stint or something? Like, no, like these numbers are that off the wall, um, just absolutely absurd. Now, Acuna, you said you might take number one overall. Tell me about him. Yeah, so... Ronald Acuna is such an interesting case, Clay, because he tears his ACL in 2021, and in 2021, he was on pace for potentially an MVP season, right? He had 24 home runs in 82 games. He had 17 stolen bases in that time. He was hitting 283 with a 157 WRC+, and basically was doing what he did in the shortened 2020 season, but better, right? Decreased his K rate. His ISO was over 300. Like the power numbers were just ridiculous from Ronald Acuna Jr. Then he tears his ACL and you're not really sure how he's going to come back last year, right? He had a good season though last year. Like I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it was bad, right? He hit 266, which was a little bit low for him. 15 home runs. The power was not there. Only a 148 ISO. I mean, his ISO was split in half from where it was in 2021, but that was expected, right? He was dealing with um, an ACL injury in his right leg, the leg that he's going to have all his weight on to sit back and drive balls, right? You would actually expect Ronald Acuna to hit more ground balls last year because he's he's favoring his left leg. He's going to get out in front. That's going to happen. But everything else was the same, right? I mean, he was still hitting the ball ridiculously hard. He had a 53.9% hard hit rate in 2021. Last year, a little bit lower, 49.7%. But you could see that the power was still in there. Also, I do want to note that, you know, his 413 slugging percentage looks bad on the surface, but he did have a 486 expected slugging percentage. So 
you know, there was some power that may have been stripped away for other reasons. But I think the the biggest thing to look at here with Ronald Acuna Jr. and why I expect him to bounce back this year is because the stolen bases were there last year for him, regardless of that knee, right? 29 stolen bases was elite. 15 home runs was not. But he had a 47.7% ground ball rate last year. In 2021, he had a 31.3% ground ball rate. Like, I really think the reason that he was hitting so many ground balls is that leg. So now, a year removed from that injury, a full offseason to recover, get stronger in that leg. I'm expecting Ronald Acuna Jr. to completely bounce back, hit the ball in the air again, be a 30-plus home run guy with 30 stolen base upside, and he's going to get plenty of run production. But though the stolen bases are going to be what sets him apart from Aaron Judge at the end of the day. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I think we, we obviously don't know what's going to happen, but I think you, I think I would rank it Ronald Acuna Jr. And then judge right now, like one, a one B it's super, super close. Judge might hit 63 this year. Like I, I don't know. And like we said, before we really started to dive into these names, several of these names, like if you don't get Acuna and you get judge, like perfect, totally fine. Like it's not like some other positions that we've ranked where it's like, Man, that drop off's pretty steep. Like, draw a name out of a hat for a few of these guys, and I'm happy to go with them. You bring up a great point, and we haven't really talked about like strategy at, in the draft much yet on this show. But like, I almost don't want the first round pick or the first overall pick this year. Like, nope. I would much prefer to have like three or four. Let the guys in front of me dictate who I'm going to draft, and then I get a better second round pick. That's perfect to me because. You could end up with a guy like Julio Rodriguez, who's right there, honestly, with Acuna and Judge. Julio Rodriguez had such an incredible rookie season, Clay. I got a crazy stat for you. So since 2012, Julio Rodriguez's rookie WRC plus of 146 ranks eighth behind only Otani, Tatis, Judge, Yasiel Puig, if you'll remember, had just an insane rookie season, Mike Trout, Jose Abreu and Jordan Alvarez. I mean, every single one of those guys, I guess outside of Puig, has did become a superstar. And Puig was yeah. right on his way, but there were other factors that that you know led to him not becoming a superstar. And Jose Abreu isn't like a fantasy superstar, but he's a superstar hitter. And Julio Rodriguez matches up with all of these guys in their rookie season. And there's no reason for Julio Rodriguez to not get better, right? He had a 50.7% hard hit rate. He struck out at a, you know, decent, he didn't strike out too much. And Clay, he stole a base once every five games last year. That's huge. Yeah. And, you know, he came out as a rookie and he's super young too. And I, I, I think when you watch him and you see how big he is and his advanced approach and just ability to play the game so naturally, you kind of forget just how young he is. He is only going to improve in my mind. Now, sometimes there's sophomore slumps. I don't see it with him. Uber talented player. Um, the run production, I think, will tick up. Um, I think he's going to continue to steal bags. And that wasn't something that like he was projected to be this big-time base stealer. But he got to the majors last year, and he showed that he, he can be one of the most elite base stealers if he runs a ton, especially with the way that the bags are changing. I could see it. And there's no reason for me to not be on Julio Rodriguez. I really don't see like a huge hole in his game. There is zero hole. And this is a guy that has never stopped hitting at any level. I mean, he hit 
362 in double A in 2021. He hit 325 in, in high A in 2021. Then he debuts. That's the crazy thing, right? This is a guy who barely played above double A and he was 20 years old in double A, hit 362. And then he comes up to the majors opening day roster as a 21 year old, a newly turned 21 year old, and just goes off immediately. Like he didn't even skip a beat. Maybe it was like a two or three week you know, stretch at the beginning of last year where he didn't, he wasn't like amazing. The rest of the year, he was just freaking amazing. 28 home runs last year, 25 stolen bases. He had 84 runs last year, and I'm expecting him to go over 100 this year. He hit in the leadoff spot to end last year. If he's in the leadoff spot again this year, there's no reason he shouldn't go over 100 runs. And yeah, I could really see him hitting over 300. Like there's no reason that this is a guy that struck out 26% of the time last year as a 21 year old. But he never had a strikeout rate even close to that in the minor leagues. So I would expect the the strikeout rate to decrease, if anything, this year. I mean, you look at his projections too, Clay. 31 home runs, 30 stolen bases from um, zips and depth chart. So meaning like if he has, if he plays 150 games, he's really a a 30-30 guy. Like it's ridiculous. So honestly, I would take him. I could see myself taking him third overall. Like I really, you can't go wrong. So Incredible stuff from Julio Rodriguez. About to be one of the best players in baseball. Um, Shall we move on to the fourth-ranked guy here? Kyle Tucker comes in at number four. Kyle Tucker is another interesting one because I feel like last year, Kyle Tucker had a really good season. Yeah, And even then, even in what was a really good season where he had 30 home runs and 25 stolen bases with 107 RBIs, it could have been better. Like, it really felt like that was not the best Kyle Tucker we could or even have seen, right? He had 30 home runs in 2021, but he hit 294 in that span. Um, It was good to see him steal more bags than ever last season. But I think we haven't seen Kyle Tucker's final evolution like as a hitter. And I think we forget how young Kyle Tucker is. We, you were brought up how young Julio Rodriguez is, and you're absolutely right. But Kyle Tucker feels like a superstar in this league that has been around for a long time, but he's 20, just turned 26 years old. Yeah. And he's also a guy that got off to a bit of a slow start last year. And I think he's kind of a slow starter to begin with. He's just one of those players. He walks at a good clip. He has a great approach. um, Doesn't strike out much. Like you said, 30, 30 potential at least. And I agree with you. I think that there is another level to his game. And you know that he's going to be able to get um, a ton of run production opportunities in that lineup where we've already talked about a few players on that team and how we feel about them. And then you add in Jose Abreu into that mix as well. Like The Astros team, no matter who you're selecting in that starting lineup, you are going to feel pretty good about the run run production opportunities. So yeah, Kyle Tucker is a guy that I absolutely love and will target I feel like that's something I'm going to keep saying tonight, at least through this top well, 10. The, the thing is, is like, you're not even going to be able to target Kyle Tucker. Like yeah. all of these guys, yeah. it's like, am I given the opportunity to draft him in the first round? Like, yeah, if I'm given the fifth overall, sixth overall pick, like, yeah, I might go grab, t- well, I might get to grab t- Kyle Tucker. That's and it comes down again part. to, okay, the depth at outfield, like, I love these players and I want them on my team. But like if (laughs) there's not the same depth at a different position, you can see it here. Like the draft's going to be super hard for people in that like seven to 10 to 12 range. That's going to be so tough for so many owners. 
but at the same time, like you said, like sometimes it's good to like get people selected in front of you so that you don't have to make those decisions. It's like, oh yeah, okay. I can just get whatever amazing player the guy in front yeah. of me didn't want. Great. Yep. <laughs> it's true though. It is true. Like it is one of those years where I do kind of want to be more in the middle of that first round. Um, but yeah, let's move on to Kyle Tucker's teammate because he comes in right after him. It's Jordan Alvarez who, I mean, God, what a hitter. What a hitter Jordan Alvarez is. 37 home runs last year. 95 runs, 97 RBIs. And this is only in 135 games. Like, get this guy on the field for 155. We might see 55 home runs. Like, I, I'm I'm just waiting for the eventual, like, I've comped this, I've comped Jordan Alvarez to Big Poppy before. And like, I really think he's in for one of these big poppy seasons where he just puts up like 55 or even Ryan Howard, like 55 home runs, 150 RBIs. Like, it's gonna happen one of these times. And why not this year, right? If there's a guy out there, if there's a guy in this first round, take the steals away from Aaron Judge's game. Is there another guy in this first round that could put up what Aaron Judge did last year? Like, I think Jordan Alvarez is the only one. Yeah, and I think you're right. And, you know, he's he's been relatively healthy now. Um, 186 WRC plus last year with a good average, something that I, I did not know if he could be an average hitter. Like, excuse me a hitter who hits for average too. yeah um but the thing about him and like i've had him on my team before he's such a fun player to have on your team just because the way he hits home runs and how like absurd they are it's just fun a fun player to watch and to track throughout the year if he's on your team and um another guy that everyone's gonna be on 25 percent um fly ball to home run home run to fly ball rate last year which might be low like it, it might be low. He could go over 30%. What did yeah. Judge do last year? I'm I'm actually curious about what Judge did home run for fly ball rate. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's not it. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Okay, so Aaron Judge last year, 35.6% home run per fly ball rate last year. I mean, like, I really wouldn't be shocked if Jordan went over 30% one of these years. I mean, for example, Aaron Judge last year, I mentioned how he had a 60.8% hard hit rate. Jordan Alvarez was the only one close. 59.8% hard hit rate last year for Jordan Alvarez. And by the way, Clay, he underperformed his expected metrics. Like a 185 WRC plus and 37 home runs last year in a 306 average was actually underperformance for Jordan Alvarez. And I don't even know how that's possible. It's insane. His expected batting average was 329 and his expected slugging was 672. That's 60 almost 60 points above his actual slugging percentage of 613. Like it's almost unfathomable what he could have done last year. And I see no reason why he couldn't do it this year at age 26. Like he's entering his prime. And I brought up how he's going to have this big poppy Ryan Howard season as like a hypothetical. And now I'm almost buying into it. Do you know what's crazy? I'm sitting here and I've realized we've talked about what five players so far and Soto Mookie and Mike Trout, we have not talked about all three of which have been either selected first overall or like first three the past couple of years in a lot of drafts. Like that's just insane to think about. Yeah, I mean, to so I usually go off of um, NFC for my average draft position. So anytime you hear me mentioning that in the show, that's where usually where I'm getting it from. It's, you know, one of the sharper fantasy leagues. It's, it's a bunch of, you know, 
advanced fantasy players doing drafts on this website and that's where they get the data from so it's usually pretty reliable i mean maybe sometimes it's not reliable because like you're dra- if you're drafting against like joe schmoes and espn league sometimes like it could it could vary right but for the most part it's pretty accurate and so far yeah we've talked about acuna j-rod aaron judge tucker jordan alvarez and all except kyle tucker have been taking first overall in nfc so you're absolutely right. And even Tucker Soto, Tucker and Soto have been taken second overall in some leagues. Mookie Betts, the highest he's been taken is fifth. So these are all potential top five picks. It's ridiculous. So yeah, we might as well move on to the next guy. I mean, let's talk about Juan Soto because Juan Soto is such an interesting case for fantasy baseball because it really depends what league type you play in. Um, exactly. Because of how elite Juan Soto is at getting on base, right? For his career, Juan Soto has a 424 on base percentage. And last year, you would you look at Juan Soto's season last year and you go, wow, 401 on base percentage. I mean, like, does anybody do that? I'm like, no, but he also had a down year. Like in years prior, he had a 465 on base percentage in the shortened season in 2020. He had a 490. I mean, that's comical what he did in the shortened season, but what what you also have to mention last year for Juan Soto is he hit 242 batting average, which is so uncharacteristic for him when, after hitting 313 in 2021, 351 in 2020. Um, Clay, do you think that, that Juan Soto can get back to hitting near 300? I mean, the dude has had a strikeout rate at 14% and a walk rate above 20% in three straight years. Like, that's what you're getting. But do you think he can get back to 300? it's going to be tough. Um, I mean, being a 300 hitter is, is rare in the league, right? He has the talent to do it. Um, I don't know if he'll get back to 300 or not. Um, but man, this is a guy that walks 20% of the time. And I know if you're watching this and you're in a points league and you're wondering why he's not ranked higher, it's because most of the time we don't talk about points leagues. You know, if you're in that you get a point for the walk, right? So it's the same as a hit, and he's going to be more valuable in those leagues, as you touched on. Um, but Juan Soto, man, 27 home runs last year. 242 is the lowest batting average of his career. I do expect that to go up, like you said. Only 62 RBIs. Like, um, Obviously, the Nationals lineup uh, has a lot to do with that, right? And he, he came over to the Padres, I think, after a full offseason and getting back integrated with that team. Uh, he's going to be so much better this year. Do I think he'll hit 300? No, but I do think it'll be at least 40 points higher, right? I think he can be a 282 hitter. <laughs> yeah, I, I think absolutely. And, you know, it was somewhat of a, it was a weird year for Soto because it felt like he was almost figuring things out as he went, which for a hitter as good as him is is almost shocking. But I also... I also feel like him getting walked so much last year intentionally kind of got in his head a little bit. Like either he yeah. was getting walked intentionally or he was getting completely pitched around. Like he's maybe getting one pitch a game that he knows he can do damage with. The rest is like, I either have to move outside the zone, which I'm not going to do, or like even he's fighting pitches off. You, you know, it, it's hard to hit when you're so good sometimes because <laughs> yeah. pitchers know that and they're just going to pitch around you. Um, the one interesting thing for Soto is he raised his fly ball percentage last year um, from 28.7% in 2021 and 28.6% in 2020. He raised it 
to almost 37% of the t- uh, 37% last year. So hit a lot more fly balls um, for a guy that's had a home run per fly ball rate in the mid twenties for most of his career, a 17% home run per fly ball rate seems below what he can do. And I know that the, the ball was different last year. Home runs were not flying at their usual rate, but I feel like he can get back to being like the most home runs he's hit in a season is 34 back in 2019. He had 27 last year and 29 in 2021. I feel like he can break or, or beat that 34 total this year. I, I think I'm going to say he he goes over 35 home runs. So yeah, I mean, if you're in an on-base percentage league, Soto might be a top pick. He might be number one for me. Like I, it, is that, it, is that even a conversation? Like he is right. Yeah. He's, Definitely in that in that conversation. All right. Well, talking about good players is sometimes hard, Clay. Like it, it's almost hard to talk about how good these guys are and differentiate <laughs> between them. Um, Mike Trout. Ever heard of him? I have. Once or twice. Named after a um, fish. Yeah, he's he's all right. He goes hunting in the offseason. Um I don't really know what else to tell you, um, except for he has an 82.1 career war, and he's arguably the greatest player to ever step on a baseball field. Um, when he's on a baseball field. Well, yeah, you cut me off a little early because I was just about to get there. I was just about to say. Intercepted. But he hasn't stepped on a baseball field much in recent years, but maybe that's a little overblown. Maybe that's a little overblown. He played 119 games last year. He hit 40 home runs. He hit 283. He hit one. Uh, he had a 176 WRC plus. And somehow here we are. Mike Trout is being ranked. You're telling me eighth, eighth, as in the top outfield after 40 home runs. I mean, yeah, it's crazy to even say that. And here we are. Um, but yeah, I mean, there is a question: Can Mike Trout stay healthy it's for a full question. 150? That I think that's the question. Like. I don't think you can ever predict, oh, like Mike Trout broke his leg or something like that. But like at this point in his career, it just seems like Mike Trout's going to have those flaring knee or back injuries that keep him out for like, you know, two weeks, three weeks in and out, in and out kind of thing. Um, Yeah. And I I don't think we need to break down Mike Trout's game. I'm pretty sure like everyone has a really good idea and we can touch on some of it. But the real question is, do you want to spend this type of draft capital on a player who has been consistently injured. And it's not necessarily even a, um, you know, some thought processes would be, okay, he's injured so much. Could that affect his play? I don't even think it's that because when he is healthy, he looks um, absolutely incredible. It's, is he going to put enough games, you know, to to make your team worth the draft pick? Because if you're taking him top 10 overall, let's say, or, you know, whatever it may be, and he only produces 119 games for you, that's not going to be worthy of that pick. So it all comes down to that. And because of that is why I tend to pass on Mike Trout. And we see the fantastic names that we've already talked about. It's not like you're passing on, um, you know, a really good player for a lesser player. You're passing on a really good player for a also really good player. It's, it's not the same as some other positions where, Ooh, if I miss on this guy, there's a huge drop off. Like I said, there's so much depth here. You can pass on Mike Trout, take somebody else with a little bit safer injury history if you want to go that route, which I do. Yeah, I mean, 
I do want to apologize, Clyde, too, because we did skip right by Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts, I actually have six on this list, and we completely bombed by him to go to one Soto and then Trout. So we'll backtrack for Mookie. I, I think Trout is actually, like you mentioned, you know, there's not much to talk about here. Like, people know who Trout is. And I think that's true. Like, if you don't know who Mike Trout is, I mean, maybe you're just getting into baseball, and that's cool, too. So, um, but hopefully you still know, because then MLB wouldn't be doing its job marketing, which they don't. But I digress. Um Trout's interesting now for a couple of reasons, Clay. One, because this might be the first time ever that you can draft Mike Trout for value. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen Mike Trout being drafted outside the first round. Um, he's being taken ADP 21. And in a recent draft that I did, he went 20th. So, like, there is some room for error here, or, like, room for value, if that makes any sense. Like, Mike Trout realistically could return first-round value. Like, He's going to hit 40 plus home runs. Yeah. And I'm almost confident in that and saying that, which is ridiculous, right? You have 40 and 119 games last year. Um, the RBI and run production was solid 80 and 85 in those 119 games, but he doesn't steal bags anymore. That's another thing I wanted to bring up, right? He hasn't stolen more than 10 bags since 2019 when he stole 11. Um, he stole 24 in 2018, but he only has four stolen bases since 2020 so stealing bases is not going to be a part of mike trout's game anymore and you're just gonna have to accept that um so i guess the question is like can mike trout produce to where almost jordan is and i don't think so like i think jordan's actually well above mike trout at this stage just because of run production and average but like can he get close he actually i i, I think i would I might take a shot on Mike Trout here if I can get him past pick 20. Like, you're going to – yeah, it's going to be tough to not take Mike Trout there. Yeah, yeah. I I think past pick 20, sure, especially if you're, like, in a 10-person league and you're in round three now and you've kind of got two two players selected above you that you feel good about. Like, yeah, you can do it. I, I'm not going to do it. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. I, I, I just – I've been burned by the let's select the injury player and see what happens. I'm not doing it again. Like so. you're telling me you have the first overall pick in a 10 man league. You take Aaron judge. It rolls around to the turn. You get two picks. You can take Mike trout and then you can double it up and pick whoever else you want. But like your outfield is set with two of the best players of baseball. That's, That's insane. That is intriguing. It, it, it if you had back-to-back picks like that, that that does make it intriguing. Um, I, I I just don't think I can personally select Mike Trout due to the injuries. Fair enough. I mean, fair enough. I, I don't think he's everybody's cup of tea because there are going to yeah. be people that question that, and I think that's fine. Like, it depends on the team you're building, um, and I'm not going to – it's not like I'm going to get Trout in every draft, right? Yeah. That's just not possible. But he, he could be a value this year, and we've never seen that before. All right, let's move on to, I think, the most interesting player on this list. Um, if you didn't get Julio Rodriguez, because it's very hard to get Julio Rodriguez if you don't have a top three pick, because somebody's going to take him. Well, if you miss him in the first round, I got your backup for you. That's Michael Harris. Michael Harris is his, his baseball cards are going crazy. His stock is going crazy. I mean, like for a rookie to be ranked the second overall player or the third overall player in fantasy is ridiculous. And that's Julio Rodriguez. But like for another rookie to be ranked, you know, as a top 30 fantasy player is also ridiculous. But what Michael Harris did last year backs it up, right? 
He was equal to Julio Rodriguez in steals per game last year. He stole 20 in 114 games. He had 19 home runs in that span. Oh, by the way, he hit 297. And oh, by the way, this is not fantasy relevant, but he he's one of the best defensive center fielders in the game. So there's no question about him, you know, staying in the lineup. I mean, even if he's slumping, he's going to be on the field. But he was just overall fantastic, Clay. Like, I have nothing bad to say about Michael Harris, and he's hitting, you know, he's going to hit second, third in this Braves yeah. lineup, which he, at least he should. He's going to replace, I think, where Dansby was hitting last year, and Dansby was hitting second a lot. 21 years old, um, 114 games last year, 19 home runs, 20 stolen bases like you touched on. I mean, the talent's there. There's no question about it. He's not going to, like, draw a ton of walks. Um, there was a point in time last year where he was kind of struggling with striking out a little bit, but I don't see him as, like, this huge strikeout red flag or anything like that. He has such a good approach. And just remember how young he was at that point in time last year and just how good he was. I just think that there's higher levels to his game. Um, and I saw him live in double A last year, um, beginning of the year. And just the sound off of his bat, like it caught the attention of everyone. Like this guy can just really hit the baseball. And um, another fun player, you know, ha- half of fantasy is fun, right? Half of it's trying to win. Half is fun. I want fun players on my team. I mean, I, th- I Michael Harris is a guy that I'll be like, this is a guy that I'll be reaching for almost like I'll be targeting him a lot in the third round of drafts. Um, he's going ADP 28 right now, but you mentioned the sound coming off of his back clay, 45% hard hit rate last year, a 10% barrel rate and a one twelve point eight max exit velocity. So he can get into baseballs. The one not, it's not even an issue for him. The one note on him is that he hits a lot of ground balls. Um, and he has for most of his minor league career. Um, he had a 56% ground ball rate last year. Um, but when he does hit the ball in the air, it goes a long way. I also think that if there's a player that could really benefit from no shift, like Michael Harris has got to be on that list, right? Like Uber speed. He hits the ball on the ground a lot. Like he's going to sneak through holes more than he did last year. Um, and I think, you know, this is a guy, Michael Harris is a guy like Trey Turner or these other speedsters, even Julio Rodriguez, like where they're always going to outperform their expected metrics because of how fast they are. I, I think so. And how hard they hit the ball. But like, he's going to be a speed demon. Um, so yeah, that's my analysis of Michael Harris. I mean, if you didn't get Julio Rodriguez and you want Julio Rodriguez, like I think Michael Harris is not Julio Rodriguez, but close. Julio light. Yeah. He's not going to hit 30 plus home runs. And I even think what he did last year at the major league level, and this is in reference to Michael Harris may have been a little high or over, he overachieved in the power department, I think, a little bit. Um, he had a 22.5% home run per fly ball rate, which for him seems a little high. Like, other guys weren't putting that up. Um, but you never know what the baseball is going to do this year. That's probably the one variable that we can never predict in baseball is what the heck is Major League Baseball and Rawlings going to do with the ball. We'll see. But regardless, Harris is an amazing option. All right. We got one more guy on this list, and I want you to take him because I am probably completely and and not probably like I am biased against Randy Rosarena, and I probably forever will be. So you take Randy Rosarena away. So, so I don't know what your bias is um, with 
with Randy or Rosarina, but I'm not like a humongous fan of his. And it all depends on your league, right? Like in some leagues, he'll be more valuable than other leagues. 20 home runs, 32 stolen bases last year. He's going to bring enough power with plus speed and still use some bags. He didn't score a ton of runs last year. Um, Did, you know, I guess overall, like the way that his profile fits for me is I think he's a good option. He's not a guy I'm like targeting and going after like crazy. Um, I'm definitely not going to like reach for him in any way. Um, A player who I think is, like I said, a, a good option and kind of the first name on this list where I say, okay, that ceiling is a little bit lower than the other players that we've listed, the top nine. Um, kind of the mark, I draw a line right there and say, okay, the top nine was fantastic. Randy's a little bit lower than that. And then there's e- even a name or two below him that we're talking about in the next episode that I think could jump him. But I want to hear your thoughts on him. It's it's almost unreal. Like, I don't know if, if Randy Rosarina is sending money or bribe i don't know what kind of bribes he's sending the baseball gods but this guy you want to talk about overperforming expected metrics randy rosarena deserves the mvp award for overperforming expected metrics 2021 he had 20 home runs 20 stolen bases he struck out 28 percent of the time and the power was fine he hit 274 and his expected batting average in that year was 222 unbelievable right so what did i do last year well i was the biggest randy rosa hater ever going into last year i was like yeah this guy is he can't do it he he's gonna you know fall off a cliff this year what did he do he did the same exact thing he hit 263 last year with 20 home runs and then even more stolen bases 32 stolen bases as you mentioned clay he cut the strikeout rate a little which is good but still 263 batting average. His expected batting average is 234. I don't know how this guy does it. And even in the shortened season, he did it, right? 43 uh, batted ball events in 2020 shortened season, 281 average, 253 expected batting average. So maybe that I, I'm maybe there's something that the computer well, cannot calculate with Randy Rosarena, but he is going to, he does it every year. It's crazy. And his barrel rate and hard hit rate have both gone down each year since 2020 and 2021 and 2022. Um, I, th- I think there's a lot of hype around him at one point in 2020 for right? sure for sure and you know what I think I I think you you hit it perfectly though Clay it's not a guy that I'm going to be reaching for but it's a guy that you know Randy Rosarena if he falls a few picks past his ADP of 38 like if he falls to 45 to 50 and yeah. I'm there I mean, he is a great mix of power and speed, regardless of the average that he gives you. He's a good so, baseball player. Exactly. Yeah. Like, and no, and I think specifically, he's a better fantasy baseball player than anything, right? Like, yeah. he he is a really good fantasy baseball player. So, and I um, think he's a safer option than an an option that we're going to talk about on the next episode. Who I think has a higher season. say. Say, it, tease it, tease it. No, I'm not going Ooh. to. All right. Well. You're going to have to listen to the next episode to find that one out. That's the top 10 fantasy baseball outfielders. We didn't talk about Fernando Tatis Jr. because we already talked about him with the shortstops, but he did home run in the backfields today. Looked good. Clay, 
that's going to do it, man. Top 10 outfielders. Catch you next episode. Adios.